Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. It is Colorado week, week four. Um, finally, after kind of a slow start to the, the regular season, um, slowish, I guess, because of the the level of competition and the opponents. Texas Tech, obviously a good opponent, but, um, you know, we finally get a big week. And I don't think that a month ago, maybe two months ago, any of us would have been saying that about week four against Colorado. But thank you to Coach Prime, uh, Deion Sanders, and it's been impressive what Colorado's done this year. Um, because of that, we get we get a fun week ahead. A lot of storylines, a lot of things to talk about. Um, to celebrate that, I'm bringing on Jack Carlo, managing editor of USA Today's Colorado Buffalo's Wire. We're going to break down this, uh, you know, the start of the season, really, for Colorado and just kind of get an inside perspective. Jack's been on the ground in Boulder, and he, you know, he's got a really good insight to, to what's been going on so far this year. So we're going to talk to him for quite a while about that, get some, some outlooks on this upcoming game with him. After that, I'm going to break down my outlook on this game and really kind of kind of break down some of the numbers, what I think is going to happen, what we should see going forward. Um, but there's a lot, of, a lot of really good stuff today in this episode. Let's go ahead and get into it. All right, I am happy to bring on Jack Carlo, the managing editor of USA Today's Colorado Buffalo's Wire. Jack has had boots on the ground in Boulder, uh, been covering this whole Deion Sanders extravaganza over the past several months, so he's the perfect person to talk to leading up to this week four matchup between Oregon and Colorado. Jack, thank you for coming on. How are you today? Good, good. Um, yeah, still uh, buzzing a little bit after Saturday's win. Lots to lots to talk about for sure. Um, yeah, let's let's uh let's start right there. That's kind of the most pertinent topic. Um, you know what? I guess I'd say what happened versus Colorado State. Obviously, you got the win. You needed double yeah. overtime to do it. It wasn't pretty, but the win is what matters in the end. What yeah. in your mind went wrong, and kind of how concerned are you after that game? Yeah, I mean, I guess a little bit more concerned. I mean, going into this Oregon week, I'm definitely more concerned than I was, you know, like four days ago. Um, at least like offensively, I think the Buffs, they just struggled again with staying consistent there in the first half. Um, the run game still hasn't quite been there. Um, yeah, I mean, Dylan Edwards, I think only rushed for like 60 yards. They're still not quite getting that going yet. Um, but also like Shador Sanders proved that when, you know, <laughs> he can step up when he wants to, um, you know, he can turn it on. I mean, his performance in the fourth quarter and overtime was incredible. Um, so, you know, I expect another big game out of him next week. Um, then defensively, like really the biggest thing was uh, their inability to stop these like shallow crossing routes just over and over <laughs> and over again. I don't, know, I don't know if you got a chance to watch much of the game, but yes. you did. it was, that was tough to watch, but. Yeah, I mean, it was a little concerning that they weren't able to make an adjustment there. Like, I thought that they would have gone into a zone defense after that, but I mean, you know, they got studs, um, you know, pretty much everywhere in the secondary. Um, losing Travis Hunter there also definitely hurt. Um, that might have had something to do with it. Um, you know, allowing 
you know, a quarterback making like his first real start to throw for like over 300 yards was a little concerning there. Yeah, we'll talk to we'll talk about Travis Hunter in a second. But going into this weekend against Oregon, you mentioned several concerning things, and I I think you're right about all of those. Um, I think one of the most frustrating things I think if I were a, a Buffs fan or someone that covered him is that you know we saw this this brilliant play from Shadur Sanders in the fourth quarter when it really mattered. But where was that the entire game? So I know that's one thing that that consistency is what you need to see going forward. But Going into this weekend, what do you think is the biggest area of concern? If you had to highlight one going against the Ducks, something that you think could really end up giving them a lot of trouble? Probably just the offensive line play and keeping Shador Sanders upright. That's probably the biggest thing I'd worry about. Um, they The Buffs were without their starting center last week. And I think uh, Hanks Linskis came in, true freshman. He played pretty well overall, but um, still like, you know, the defensive line's getting to Shador Sanders way too much. You know, if he goes down too and the buffs are without Shador and Travis, that's not good. That's your whole team. <laughs> <laughs> that would be concerning. But I mean they got they got other playmakers. They do, they do. They got good wide receivers and um but um you know obviously you know two most talented players on the team, which would be horrible. Um yeah, you gotta keep him upright. That's the biggest thing. So let's talk about Travis Hunter. Deion Sanders came out today and said that Hunter's expected to be out for three weeks after taking that hit to the midsection on Saturday. Just can you quantify really how big of a loss that is? Because it, I mean, it's it's hard to put into words sometimes because um, you know the stats that he has they're 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 good. They don't necessarily speak to his overall impact though. I mean, sixteen yeah. catches for two hundred and thirteen yards on the year. He has nine tackles and one interception, obviously plays both ways, plays a ton. Can you help explain to people who don't know kind of how big of a piece he is for this bus yeah. team? I mean, I guess offensively, um, he definitely had his biggest game against TCU in week one. He wasn't used quite as much against Nebraska in week two. Um, and I think he only had two targets or something like that before he left against Colorado State. Um, but, you know, obviously defensively is – you know, kind of his, I don't want to say primary position because I think he can't do it both ways, but um, that's just (laughs) that entire half of the field where he's at, like no one passes there when he's out there. Um, You know, it's like hard to like put like stats to that too because it's like every Mm -hmm. single play is just like, oh, just locked down. Like you don't get credit for that, like in the books, you know. Um, And I think when uh, he went, I believe Kendrick Breedlove um, came in, he was, you know, the backup. He hadn't seen a ton of playing time before that. Um, you know, obviously a, a step down. I mean, everyone's a step down from Travis Hunter. Um, but pretty much that just allows Bo Nix another option, you know, with the receiver. Cause I mean, you're not, you, you just don't throw it to Travis Hunter, but now you have an extra receiver kind of. Well, and that's the thing too. I mean, Oregon is in a position this year where they have so much depth across the board at wide receiver. They have so many guys that they can go to. They can go to Troy Franklin or Tez Johnson or Gary Bryant go into the backfield with with running backs Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, that, um, you know, even if Hunter was available for this game, I think it still would have been a tough challenge for Colorado because yeah. there's so many guys you have to cover. Now you take away arguably your best defender. It makes it even even tougher. So, um, you know, it, I think Dion said today it looks like a three-week injury, hopefully. Um, hopefully he's back. Unfortunately, misses <clears throat> two of the biggest games of the year, Oregon and, and USC. 
Um, do you think that they might, I mean, obviously the injury did not come because you were overplaying him. Um, it was a, a late, a nasty hit, but do you think that they kind of cut down on his time going both ways after he gets back? I don't know. That's <clears throat> tough. All right. I'd have to learn more from what Dion says tomorrow at the, the press conference. Um, I mean, it's a lacerated liver, so yeah. I, mean, I don't know exactly what that looks like in terms of recovery. I'm assuming Sounds painful. Yes, definitely. I'm assuming he's going to be, I mean, I don't not like bedridden, but like he's not probably not going to be able to run or yeah. you know, anything like that over the next three weeks. So that's definitely concerning. But it might, it might take him a couple of weeks to kind of build up his stamina again. I would expect that. Um, but at least it'll happen for the, you know, the push there at the end of the season. That's true. Yeah. I, like you said, I don't really know anything about a lacerated liver. I know that rib injuries people say are the most painful things you can't, I mean, it hurts to breathe. Um, mm-hmm. I assume this is kind of like that, but I, it's, I have no idea if it's a three week injury or a three month injury. You could convince me of either. Yeah. Um, let's have a little bit of fun here. I'm going to put you on the spot if you don't mind. Um, can you name the top three or top five favorite coach prime storylines that have taken place since he's come to Colorado? That means that could be a quote. It could be a moment. It could be a TV appearance, what, whatever you want. What are your top three or top five favorite moments from coach prime? Uh, I'll, I'll give you a quote, I guess. Okay. Uh, last Tuesday during the press conference, someone asked him, they're like, you know, what does the Rocky mountain showdown mean to you? And he said, uh, he was like, this ain't my first showdown. I've had two divorces before. That was my favorite quote <laughs> I've ever heard a coach say. That's a good, I did not hear that. That's a great one. That was good. He said something else at that press conference too. I forget now. I'm uh, sure he says something every press conference oh, that is, oh is as a, a content creator and someone covers this team, I'm, I'm very jealous of you because you have no shortage of things to write about. Oh, no, definitely not. Um, he said something else at that press conference too. I forget now. Um, really just the whole like storyline behind, like it's personal. That's been really fun mm-hmm. to cover. Um, you know, just with the drama with, you know, Matt rule and then Jay Norvell, CSU's head coach, just saying for some reason, just like the sunglasses comment. Yeah. That, that was interesting. I don't know why he did that, but you know, uh, it, it kind of worked for him. He got into the, the news cycle. So good on him. It seemed to have fired up their players, I guess. They yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, I guess that'd be another one. Um, really just like, I would say overall, just like how close he is with some of his guys. Like you see like so many great moments on the sidelines with him and Shador, you know, they take like a pregame walk down to the end zone. Like that's just been cool to see him and Shiloh embracing after he had a pick six on Saturday and the relationship he has with Travis Hunter too. Like it's like, it's, it's like truly like a family in that locker room right now, which has been really cool to watch. Um, and you know, with all like the YouTube channels, we get like such like an inside look at it, which has been really yeah. fun. Yeah. There's no shortage of cameras in Boulder. Absolutely. You mentioned family, which is kind of leads me to my favorite. If I were to power rank my Dion moments from afar this year, I think my favorite thing has to be him like putting power rankings out of his own children <laughs> and this whole yeah. storyline of him ranking his kids and letting them know which yeah. one's his favorite at the time. It's just, I, I'm a new father. I know that a lot of dads listen to this and it's just like that idea is so crazy to me, <laughs> and, but also hilarious. It's just like objectively very funny to watch. So yeah. um, 
I, I almost, we we're going to talk to Dan Lanning tonight. I almost want to ask him, like, do you have a power ranking of your own children? Like, what, oh, what do you, you think? Do that. That? I think do that. Please ask I want to do it, but I think yeah, I might be laughed out of the room if I do that. So, um, yes. yeah, we'll, we'll see about that one. <laughs> it looks like Dion, like in the press conference too, like you have to be very, like, you know, very careful with what you ask. Like you have to put a lot of thought into it, obviously, which you should with any interview, obviously. But I mean, you got to think about every, every single angle. Um, and yeah, I mean, you got like a hundred cameras all around you too. So, <laughs> and he's yeah. not someone that he's not afraid to make you look stupid. If you ask something that's even a little bit off base. Yeah. You, you got to put some thought into it, which you should, you know, anyways, but yes, I've been, I've been pretty adamant about this throughout the season, about the fact that we need a bigger sample size and we need to see a little bit more before we start declaring Colorado as contenders in the PAC 12. I think that, you know, I understand the hype. I love it from a media perspective. I I understand why Fox big noon kickoff is going to Boulder and game day is going to Boulder. And, you know, every time you turn on the TV, Deion Sanders and, and the buffs are the talk of the town. It's, endlessly entertaining and i'm in personally like i i think it's great for college football i have fun watching it but what's it been like to be at the center of this story and kind of see the hype from the inside is it hard for you not to buy in i know you're technically an unbiased media member all of us are but you know like scott van pelt always says like we all went somewhere like i i grew up in eugene i went to the university of oregon i'm an oregon fan you go to see you or went to see you sorry um you 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 know what it's like to be a fan of the buffs, but now you're trying to cover this team. How is that? How hard is that when you've got this presence like Deion Sanders and what's that like from the inside? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a little weird. I mean, I graduated last May, May of 2022. (laughs) So, you know, I was still on campus, you know, like feeling the buzz all the time. And now, you know, not on campus every day, but some of the time. Um, And I went through some, as with all buffs fans, some really rough years there from, 2018 to 2022 when I was there, Um, you know, watching uh, Coach McIntyre get fired there my freshman year. And then uh, Carl Durrell came in and it was just, you know, really (laughs) low energy everywhere. And then now just the exact complete opposite of that. Um, Even like on Saturday prior to kickoff when Little Wayne led the team out onto the field. Like, oh my God, I was just like looking at like the entire like press row and everyone's jaw was just like dropped. Like, oh my God, like, didn't that. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, like I'm unbiased, but like, I'm also human. Like that was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, goosebumps, I think pretty much everywhere, even as like an unbiased, but I, and I can't stop the goosebumps, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, after watching Ralphie run too with that, just the loudest I've ever seen Folsom Field. Um, yeah, it was really fun. Um, the hard thing is to like, there's just so many more media members too. So like this dynamic of like press conferences, um, there's no more scrums with the head coach. Yeah. Anymore. Like last Definitely. year, you could do that. now it has to be a full on press conference. So, you know, that's a little different. So what's your view like? of this team. I mean, we're going to get into, I want to talk to you a little bit about major predictions for both this weekend and this upcoming season, but you know, how's it feels like it's, there's a big split nationally on this team with someone more in my camp of things where it's like, okay, it's a, a fun, fun story, but let's wait and see a little bit before we declare them 
college football playoff contenders or, or Pac-12 contenders. But then there's, you know, people on the national media side of things, the, the ESPN and Fox side of things, where they they want everything they can from Colorado. And they're hyping them up as one of the best things we've seen in a long time. What's kind of your view on that? Yeah. I mean, going into week one, they were like 20-point underdogs. Pretty much like even like beat writers were – you know, predicting the Buffs to lose. And then they, you know, pull off, I think, a three-point victory. Um, Week after that, favorited by, like, three. That was probably their best overall performance, I guess, this year. I don't know. I'd probably say week one. I would say week one. But the defense played better in week two. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's tough because, I mean, TCU, I think it seems like they're not quite as good as, you know, we thought they would be entering this year. And probably same with Nebraska. And then not playing well against Colorado State is certainly concerning. So I, I, th- I think we'll learn the most about this team against Oregon. You know, because the Ducks, they're they're legit, you know, top 10. Not, I don't think they're top 10 quite yet. Were they 10 in the AP poll? They're 10 in the AP, 11 in the coaches poll. Okay. All right. Yeah, top 10 team then. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think we'll learn the most about the Buffs this week. Facing true, legit, like, we know what the Ducks are. You know, they've... You know, beat Hawaii by like 45 points um, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, they've been inconsistent in a lot of areas too. So it's kind of hard to, it's hard to tell, I guess. So looking at this weekend's game, do you have any, I mean, if I were to put you on the spot and say score prediction, do you have any predictions on what you think we'll see? What's going to succeed for Colorado? What do you feel confident they're going to be able to do against Oregon? Yeah, it's tough to predict this team. It's really tough. <laughs> Going like, <laughs> to you, I was like, oh, like they're probably. I mean, they're three touchdown underdogs. They pulled out their wins. Like they've proven, like they can beat you know, beat pretty much anyone. Even though Oregon's going to be tougher. Oh, that's a tough question. I'll say. I mean, I, I think you still have to give the edge to Oregon a little bit, just because Travis Hunter is gone, um, and they have a few other key injuries. Uh, Miles Slusher. He's kind of like a star linebacker safety guy. Um, I, he might be back. I'm not sure yet, but that's a big, that's been a big loss for them. Um, and see who's gotten nothing out of their running game. So if, you know, if Oregon's able to slow Shadur Sanders down somehow, I don't, I don't know how you do that yet. Um, yeah. It's really just getting to him, you know, in the pocket. That's the biggest thing. If they're able to slow him down, um, then Oregon should be in a pretty good position to win. Um, you know, obviously with Bo Nix being one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 as well. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've settled on a, a score prediction yet. I'm going to do that later in this this episode. But like you said, I think that Oregon definitely, I mean, they're, <clears throat> I think it's the sports books have them as either 17 and a half point favorites. I've seen 19 and a half some places. Mm-hmm. Um, they're supposed to win this game. And like you said, it's going to come down to whether or not they can slow down Shador Sanders, um, mm-hmm. which if they do, they'll be the first team this year to do that but like you said what what's going to help them do that is the pass rush and getting i mean colorado's allowing five sacks per game right now um oregon has a a better a better pass rush this year than they did last year so um it's going to be about making him feel uncomfortable in the pocket um i think i'll say like i'll say like defensively for the bus too like they're kind of like a i would describe them as like a bend but not break defense but like they're like bend, 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 and then someone comes up with, like, a pick six or, like, they get a fumble or something. 
So it's like a weird defense in that way. So, I mean, you can't rely on them to come up with fumbles, interceptions. Like, that's not something, you know, you can, you know, it's not like, you know, it's a different aspect of the game. I guess you can't rely on. Um, but if, you know, they're able to keep coming up with two or three turnovers a game, then I think that'll keep the buffs in the game against Oregon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's wrap it up there. Thank you, Jack, for coming on and giving us an inside look at the buffs. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack underscore Carlo and read all of his great stuff at coloradobuffaloswire.usatoday.com. Jack, thank you for coming on today. Good luck this weekend, and I hope it is an entertaining game. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about this week. All right, that was some really good stuff there with Jack Carlo. Thank you again for him to come on. Uh, I want to just real quick give you some of my keys to this game. Um, you know, in general, I think that this this really starts and ends with trying to shut down Shador Sanders for Oregon, which, you know, that that will be incredibly tough. They will be the first team to do that so far this year. Obviously, Colorado has not played elite teams so far. They played TCU, who's a solid opponent. I think they're not as good as the, you know, defending national champions last year. They lost a lot of pieces from that, but they're they're not a bad team by any means. Um, Nebraska, Colorado State, I don't think you I don't think anyone would classify them as good teams, but um, Colorado's done what they needed to do and and gone 3-0 through those games and none of their opponents have been able to stop Shador Sanders yet. Um, and he's he's rightfully getting a lot of draft buzz, a lot of NFL draft buzz. Some people are saying that he should be up there in the conversation with Caleb Williams and Drake May as uh, one of the top quarterbacks to come off the board. Um, I think that's all accurate. I think he's shown this year that he can be incredibly good and he's got an incredible arm um, for Oregon to really, you know, make their presence felt in this game and, and really dominate this. They need to to get after him. They need to get after Sanders in the pocket. They need to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback and they just need to keep him uncomfortable throughout the game. Um, one thing that Sanders does well is, and he, he just picks apart a defense from standing in the pocket. Um, and that's, that's something that Oregon just can't really allow him to do in this game. But one thing that's working in Oregon's benefit is, is Colorado's offensive line is, is really not great. I mean, they allow five sacks per game. Their starting center is still injured. I believe he was out for Colorado state game. They just, you know, this is an offensive line where Oregon's Oregon's defensive front can really take advantage and they can, the opportunities there for them to get into the backfield, get a lot of QB pressures, a lot of QB hits and just get Sanders out of the pocket and keep him away. Like I said, from picking apart the secondary with set feet from a clean pocket. Cause if you allow that to happen, Sanders has the, the processing ability and the arm talent to fit that ball into tight windows um, I know that we're we're feeling better about Oregon's secondary so far this year. Again, like I said with Colorado, Oregon hasn't really been tested a ton yet either. Um, the Hawaii game was particularly impressive on defense because Hawaii had such a um, you know a potent passing attack with Braden Shager coming in, and they really shut him down. Um, and they really just the the cornerbacks played really well, the safeties played really well. Um, I think this could be another one of those games where the defense gets a, a chance to show how dominant they can be this year. Again, just back to, to Sanders a little bit. He's someone who's got a, f- a fantastic arm, but he's really not too mobile of a quarterback. Um, so obviously, sack yardage plays into it, but he has 
negative 59 rushing yards so far in the year. A lot of that is because because of sacks, but you know, he's not really someone that you have to to worry too much about keeping contain on once you get a pass rush. You don't really have to keep a QB spy on him like um like a lot of Oregon fans wish the Ducks did against Tyler Shuck and Texas Tech because, you know, for instance with Texas Tech, they would get a pass rush often and they would flush Shuck out of the pocket, but he was able to still make you pay because he's got a really good set of legs on him. He's able to to pick up a lot of ground through uh through the rushing attack. Um I don't really think that's a huge um fear, I guess I would say with Sanders, because he just hasn't proven so far yet this year that um, he can make you pay if you lose contain. Obviously, you still want to keep him contained. You still want to keep him in that pocket and, you know, get pressure on him and take him down. But, um, you know, this, it just leads me to say that I, I think this could be a really big day for Oregon's defensive line. And if they have a big day, that's, that's my number one key to the game. I think if they can get some pressure, then this should be a pretty easy game for the Ducks. My second biggest key is going to be all about letting Bo Nix just go to work. Just absolutely just give him the keys to the car. We've seen over the past couple of years that, you know, Nix has the ability when you give him full control of the offense to just just let it go. Um, I think that he he can be trusted not to make some of those turnover-worthy plays that we saw at Auburn and we saw early in his Oregon career. Um, this is just this is a game where he absolutely can um, put up some big numbers, and you know I, th- I say this because Colorado may be fun to watch, but the biggest thing that everyone misses when hyping them up is that their defense is I'll say it hot garbage. I mean, we as a someone who watches Oregon and and has been you know tuned into the Oregon Ducks over the past year, I know a bad defense when I see it, and Colorado's defense is bad. Uh, they have the 119th ranked rushing defense, 102nd ranked passing defense, 102nd ranked scoring defense, and the number 122 overall defense in the nation. And that is out of 130 teams. So that tells you that, you know, this, this team can't really stop anyone. And this is all without Travis Hunter, who is their best cornerback and arguably their best defender. It's potentially without uh, Miles Slusher, who is a safety slash linebacker who has been missing for the past couple of weeks. One of their better defenders as well. Um, You know, this is, I'll say it again, this is a game where Bo can absolutely go off and have a huge day in front of a, a big audience too. Because we've talked about it a ton before, the the Coach Prime show is coming to Eugene, and there's going to be a ton of eyeballs um, on this game. You know, twelve thirty kick on ABC. I can't wait to see the numbers um, for how many millions of people view this matchup. Because you got two huge brands, it's just going to be an absolute circus. Um, I don't know if you plan on going to the game. I would say get there early because traffic is going to be insane. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's going to be a really good stage for Bo Nix because he's been putting up great numbers this year. If you look at his Heisman voting odds and where he stands there, he's still not really making up any ground. He's sitting there last, I think last week he was plus 2,200, uh, still ranked around like, you know, eight or 10th in the Heisman rankings. Um, but it's because he's played no one and he's, no one's really watched him so far. They're going to be watching this weekend, and he's got a chance to, you know, really put on a show, put up some big numbers. Hopefully, he uses his legs a little bit more than he has been. Hopefully, he's able to throw three or four touchdown passes, 300-plus yards. Um, You know, this is just going back to Colorado's defense. If you take away the name, 
I mean, you, I read those stats, those, those rankings. If you take away the name and you just throw those stats up as a faceless opponent, this is someone that Oregon should absolutely dominate Oregon's offense. I mean, it, it ranks as the number two scoring offense in the nation, the number five passing offense, number four total offense, number 17 rushing offense. I mean, you put those up against the, you know, number 119 rushing defense, the number 102 passing defense, all the numbers I just told you. It should not be that close. This is a, a game where Oregon can easily put up 50 plus points. Um, they just have to, they have to stay out of their own way and, and try and make this a blowout, which leads me to my last key, which is the, the Ducks just need to stop hurting themselves. Um, over the last two games, Oregon has had 23 penalties for 200 yards. Um, that is, that's awful. That needs to stop right away. Uh, we talked to Lanning after the game. He was very harsh about the penalties um, coming out and saying like, you know, if, if you're going to get penalties, you can't play you. Uh, you will sit on the sideline if you're committing penalties because you are literally just hurting our team and you're, you're stopping our progress from going forward. So if you're going to get penalties, you will not play. Um, I'm curious to see how that actually translates to this game. And if we see, um, you know, if we see that change made, it's going to be interesting because it's, I guess there's got to be a little bit of gray area because, I mean, Jackson Powers Johnson, the starting center, arguably one of the most valuable players on this team. He had a couple of penalties last week where he was an ineligible offensive lineman downfield, and he took blame for those after the game, said, that's on me, I need to be better. What if he does that again this week? Are they are they going to pull JPJ? Uh, you know, you've got some some incredibly valuable defenders. Kyrie Jackson has been a, a great cornerback so far this year with a couple interceptions. He's probably the the number one producing cornerback on the team. He's had a, a big problem with pass interference this year. Are they going to gonna yank him out of the game? I guess they would do so easier than they would JPJ because you've got a lot of depth at cornerback. But uh, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how they actually follow through with those uh, pretty bold statements after the game. But, you know, all in all, um, I'll, I'll say it again. It's just kind of wrap it up with this. Oregon is good enough to to really blow out this Colorado team. I truly believe that. I've been saying that this whole season that I'm, you know, I talked about it with Jack. I'm not bought in on Colorado as a, you know, a contender just yet. I think their story is awesome. Um, I will be one of the first people to tell you that this is endlessly entertaining and i i love every second of it it's been great for college football it's been a ton of fun to watch i'm in i love what Deion sanders is doing i just want us all to take a deep breath <sighs> okay just because they're fun doesn't mean they're great they're they're really exciting on offense they've got great skill position players they can put up points and they can be flashy and fun that's awesome that does not mean that they are a great team. I, I don't need to read the defensive numbers for you again. I don't need to dive into the stats. If you watch this team, you watch them get taken to, to double overtime against Colorado State. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a team that should be giving Oregon problems. And I know that Oregon has not really played anyone yet either, but you look at the stats and the just the eye test tells you so much when you watch both of these teams. Um, I'm just, I'm, you know, in a few days, I could be completely eating my words, uh, but I, I really, you know, I, I would have to, to question a lot of things about my career if I'm this wrong on this, because I feel very confidently that just this is a game that Oregon should, should blow them out. 
Um, there's not really many matchups on the field that scare me as someone who covers the Ducks. If I was an Oregon fan, there aren't many things that I'm too worried about. Um, you could say Shador Sanders, yes, he can pick you apart, but you know that's that's asking for him to do a lot to completely. If if Colorado's going to win this game, it's going to be on the shoulder of Sanders, and that's a, a heavy burden a heavy burden for him to carry because. Um, pretty much. I mean, I'm going to do my, my tales of the tape later this week, where I break down Oregon's offensive and defensive stats versus their opponent. And we'll see what the numbers actually say, but I've done a little bit of that already, just kind of preparing for that. And, uh, it's a heavy lean towards Oregon. Um, right now the spread is, it started at Oregon minus 17.5. It's actually shifted towards Oregon minus 21. So there's been a lot of betting action on the ducks. Think people think the ducks are going to cover that spread, over under 71.5 right now I'm considering, you know, leaning towards Oregon and the under, because I think that the ducks D could dominate this game. I think that, like I already said, the the defensive line has the ability to get after the passer. They have an ability to, to really shut down Colorado's offense and um, just make life really tough on Shador Sanders throughout the day. Um, I would not be shocked to see a score more along the lines of, you know, 45 to 17 or 45 to 20. Um, you know, it's, it should be a game where I just, I, I think Oregon needs to get out early, um, and, and just kind of assert dominance early, uh, mainly defensively. I'm not worried about the offense. This is a game, like I said, where Bonex and company should have a, a banner day and just be the, you know, the bright, shiny ducks and playing under the sunlight in Eugene and just endless highlights. I'm not worried about that. That I think is going to come defensively. I think the ducks just need to make a statement early, need to force a couple of three and outs early and just show that, hey, we are not Nebraska. We are not Colorado State. We are not TCU. We have an actual defense that can stop you. You are not going to run wild against us like you have those teams. Um, if that happens, I think this is an awesome day in Eugene. I think it should be a celebratory day. And it's a day where, it's, you know, this could be a, a huge, huge day for Oregon. Because like I said, there are so many eyeballs on this game. So many people are tuning in to the Coach Prime show. And they want to see if if Colorado can beat a real established team. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I I really think that this could be just a, a fantastic day for the Ducks and be what they need to kind of vault them into that conversation of of real contenders this year. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you again to Jack Carlo for coming on and talking about the Buffs, helping me preview that game. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, this will be my last podcast of the week, but I will hop back on on Saturday night, uh, Saturday evening after the game once I get home and get some writing done and get an update on everything for you. Hopefully, it's a hopefully that's a fun podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at ducksfire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C Neal on Twitter. We will talk to you guys this weekend. Until then, take it easy. <laughs>